Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible. Don't just hand over this life. Educate yourself. I welcome anything that would help to protect the children further. You know? The same spiel we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. So see how much Rory McIlroy picked up for being second. I mean, for being second, and brilliant it was, that last shot of his was just the business. 1,488,000 euro for coming second. Like, that's 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 nice money if you can get it. Shane Larry was third. He got 800,000. Seamus Power was down in 27th, joined 27th. He got 102,000 for his weekend's work and Tiger Woods who I think is just superhuman after getting through four rounds after what he's been through physically over the last year and a half he walked away with 40 grand just for just for getting there you know ah there's nice money in golf I just wish I'd worked harder on my game 100 years ago 0818 96 96 96 good morning uh, what a weekend it has been in the world of news and politics and there's all sorts going on I note the truckers have um, started their big protest in Dublin this morning hoping to cause maximum disruption until such time as the price of petrol and the price of diesel are brought down and Eamon Ryan resigns and God alone knows what else and you know what we'd agree with them with regard to the price of petrol and diesel but you'd wonder did they really choose their date as carefully as they might have because well the schools are closed so there's no school run this morning and and the doll is in recess so there's no politicians in Leinster House um, the there's no school so the disruption they might have caused last Monday they're not causing anything like that right now but they're still doing their best to cause it and I wonder has it had any real effect and that's where I'll start with uh, Daniel McConnell political editor of the Irish Examiner who joins me to discuss that and other things any real problems up there this morning Daniel good morning yeah, good morning. Yeah, so certain parts of, of Dublin City Centre now are pretty impassable. Like the, the East Link Bridge down by the Three Arena is a no-go area pretty much. And 
um, they'll start heading up towards over the south side, kind of uh, throughout the morning up towards Marion Square. My understanding, but like, like that the, the advice from the guardie at the moment is if if you don't need to travel, don't, yeah. and if you do need to travel, just give yourself plenty of time. But I think as you said in your introduction, I think maybe lessons have been learned about trying to manage the the goodwill of the public in relation to this, like by by not going on a, on a school day where they cause untold uh, mm. disruption before Christmas. I think, you know, they, they could argue that, listen, they, they picked a, a kind of a pragmatic occasion yeah. on which to make their point. But um, as you say, like, it's kind of maybe somewhat Utah given that the doll is not is not sitting and uh, there's no politicians around to kind of give out to. Any, anything, anybody heading up from, from the south of Ireland up towards Dublin for business of pleasure today, though, would be advised to give yourself plenty of time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fairness, if you're coming up from, from, say, Cork, or if you're coming up from there, you're coming in from the west. Um, so you should, by and large... Uh, miss the worst of it but obviously you know Dublin can, can get snarled pretty quickly so I would just give yourself if you are coming down the keys or anything like that just make sure you give yourself um, plenty of time or, or try and find an alternative route Now as regards inflation Daniel we had the move with the excise duty on petrol and diesel a few weeks ago and there's been a bit of tinkering around going on there was this package which was worth a lot of money but has been sucked just just swallowed up by increases. I understand there's a meeting on between Michal Martin, Leo Varadkar, Eamon Ryan, Michael McGrath and Pascal Donoghue. What's going on there? Yeah, so the, the three leaders meet on every Monday anyway to kind of just go through the, the normal agenda. But today they will be joined by the two finance ministers, Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath, to kind of look at the, the next round if any are likely to come in terms of cost of living uh, measures. We know Eamon Ryan is delivering a package on Wednesday. Now that's going to deal with your electricity bills again like so it looks like your public service obligation levy that's at the bottom of your bill could, is likely to be waived and there may be some move uh, in terms of what tariff people might pay even in the short run but again this is largely to do with the, the offsetting of the carbon tax increases that commitment was given by Michal Martin at the parliamentary party meeting last week where he basically said low and middle income earners will be will be spared any sort of impact of, of the cost of the, the carbon tax increases due in, in, in early May um, but uh, you know the government is, is sort of gripped now in this cycle of listen you can't keep responding week after week in terms of all of these measures mm. we can't we can't go chasing inflation etc like that um, but ultimately you know they, they, they probably from a pragmatic perspective they know they can't wait until October October yeah. to do something, um, so they're they're kind of in a bind because like the, the reality is a large part of of um, you know what's going on is sort of out of their control. Now they can move on excise. They've obviously suffered a blow now that the EU have ruled out any move on the VAT directive. They said this Ireland is pretty much at the bottom of what it can do anyway, so they can't can't do it. So they are now looking at other measures, but it won't be enough. I mean, most people are are, are suffering pretty badly in terms of the additional costs that they're in terms of you know, filling the tank of gas. You know, even keeping the heat on, etc., like that. So it, it, it's a difficult time. I think the only hope the government will have is that the weather is getting a bit better, and mm. um, people will need to use their heating a little bit less. Um, but this idea, particularly in rural Ireland, that you know, you know, you have alternatives to the car, they just simply don't stack up. So mm. they are really on the horns of a dilemma on this one. Yeah, and this EU decision on VAT, like other countries, Daniel, the perception is that other countries have said to the EU, "Wear a stick it. We're doing it anyway." Our, our yeah. ads, they're just not going to do that. Well, no, but I see the difficulty is that we're already in, in use of one of the directives in order to, like, so the lower VAT rate is already subject to a, an EU VAT directive anyway. So to, to, to go again would be seen to be kind of against the, it's actually against EU law. Uh, and therefore, once that was, once that, that was over, you'd end up usurping and kind of burning that, that derogation. So all that would have to go up to a higher rate, which the government is not prepared to do because obviously that would have, 
much wider, um, you know, um, kind of consequences. So, uh, you know, and for I those who argue, well, we did it during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Like one could understand that 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 you know that we did, but I think there is a limit to what government can do. And I think EU, the EU is very strong in terms of you know law and taxation yeah, law, etc. Yeah. That and and the need to kind of stick 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 together on us. Like you know, um, and certainly the advice that has come out and the one that has been accepted by the Department of Finance and by Pascal Dunahan in particular is a very conservative one and I doubt, I doubt they're going to move off that particular approach anytime soon. Let's come back to the elephant in the room politically the weekend. What on earth happened with Tony Houlihan, Trinity College and the Department of Health? What on earth happened, Daniel? Well, so this is basically kind of Tony Houlihan and Robert Watt. They were two very senior officials in the Department of Health basically cooked up this um, this kind of deal by which they would you know get him get him a professorship in Trinity College move him out of the CMO's role um, um, the Trinity College said well listen if the Department of Health are willing to pay for it that's happy days for us and obviously Tony Holden comes with a prestige and a, a pedigree given his role in the pandemic um, so they were happy enough there they were able to kind of get by their own internal rules because it was essentially a new position being, being funded from outside the college it didn't have to be subject to the normal sort of internal uh, rules and regulations within the college the only difficulty is they didn't tell any politicians about it and particularly the difficulty was is that you know you've a lot of money being expended in relation to this because you essentially would have had not one but two CMOs technically on the books um, and you know as the Taoiseach made clear yesterday at Arbor Hill in Dublin um, you know this is a multi-annual spend of money taxpayers money a substantial amount of money that needed to be approved at a political level and it simply wasn't so that's why the pause was put on on Friday and obviously Tony Holden took that decision to pause it as a kind of a vote of no confidence in the move. So he decided on Saturday to to, to forego that. Mm. But there are still an awful lot of questions as to how this came about. Mm. And it has led to this very strong criticism that, you know, Stephen Donnelly, that he, you know, he's not in control of his department. Mm. Uh, and that essentially the civil service are running rings around him. How much of a grenade did Tony Holden pull by just walking off the pitch on Saturday? Yeah, it was certainly like I mean, if you read the statement in full, there was a bit of a kicker at the end, you know, yes. where he said he looks forward, he looks forward to kind of you, you know sharing his expertise and, and knowledge with you know outside the public sector. That was definitely a reference to those who begrudgers who may have you know sought to stymie this particular arrangement. Um, I would not be surprised if other if, uh, educational institutions like another college could swoop in and try and see if they could sign up the services given the you know they would like to see his services kind of come their way. But um, I think from a political level. It has more to do with Robert Watt than it does with Tony Holham, you know, the Secretary General. Look, he, he's a man who's been kind of embroiled in controversy for the last year to, to 14 mm. months, given his own appointment and his own salary level. And, you know, the, you know, you had Niall Collins, the junior education minister, scathing in his criticism of Watt in, in a Sunday newspaper. Mm-hmm. The teacher saying, teacher kind of saying, listen, we, do, we need to kind of avoid these personalised attacks. But it just goes to show that there is a great deal of annoyance around this. Like, the government have had to ship an awful lot of energy trying to argue this one away over the last few days. And again, as I said, you know, it makes Stephen Donnelly look very, very weak when yeah. his top civil servant is, is doing what he's doing. And ultimately, at, at the bottom line, though, is, you know, the teacher sort of made clear yesterday, look, he's not going to face any sanction, which to a lot of people just beggars belief that you're going to prejudge the outcome there, before there, you've even gotten the report. There's a belief out there, and it was certainly echoed in a number of the Sunday papers, Daniel. There's a belief out there that the likes of Robert Watt are, in some way, the untouchables. Yeah, and, and, and as I've made that point in my own column on Saturday, um, you know, the balance between this permanent civil service and the political class has sort of been out of kilter since the financial crash. The, the, the permanent civil service felt emboldened. The political class probably felt chastened, given the backlash from the public. And ultimately, it's the politicians who pay the price politically for, for the mistakes made. You know, the civil servants 
if we go back to the financial crash, many of those who were at the helm, you know, walked off the pitch with golden handshakes, and uh, some of them would even enhance golden handshakes at the time, whereas the politicians were the ones who lost their seats and, and you know, suffered the consequences there. So, um, so I do think that imbalance has come to the fore, and I do think it played a part in, in the decision making. Like, I mean, it would be incongruous from my perspective that a, a Secretary General, Robert Watts Thatcher, who is around the block long enough and, had, and had held that central role in, in public expenditure and reform, wouldn't have realised there was a political priority to mm. tell his minister that he was going to, that himself and Tony Holland were, were sort of doing up this deal. Um, you know, like, did were none of the lessons of the captain's phone a fair alert? You know, it, it's clear not, you know. Yeah. So, and Michael McGrath uh, certainly was asking awkward questions on Thursday and Friday. He certainly was, and I mean, it, it, it's Michael McGrath's department who have sort of oversight for the public and civil service, and he was certainly saying, well, listen, what, like, the key questions he was likely to ask, well, where is this getting, where is the money coming from, where is this going to be paid, and as we know this morning, it's, you know, there, there's, there was even still a doubt as to how, like, the funding model for this particular job was not necessarily pinned down, so, like, there, there are still remaining questions as to what was going on here. Now, a cynic would, would argue, was Robert Watts trying to uh, free himself of another difficult, big yeah, character from the Department of Health, you know, to, to only bolster his own position. Uh-huh. You know, that, that has been that has certainly been suggested at a political level. But ultimately, you know, this is another self inflicted own goal from, from a government that, that that certainly seems to be carrying to its own public service. And la- lastly and briefly on that one, Daniel, before I let you go, what is your crystal ball telling you what's gonna happen in there? Are there is there more to play in this game? Yeah, I think like, so the, the report will go to the government or the leaders today from Robert Watt. He's likely to mount a pretty robust defence of his own position and his, his actions, you know, it's in keeping with the man's character. Um, like the teacher, as I said, you know, has sort of ruled out any idea of sanctioning him or, or clipping his wings. I think what we might do is just get a, a reassertion of what the protocols are and all the rest of it and a kind of a promise that these sort of things will never happen again. But for those of us another who have, promise. Another, another promise, and that's the point I was just about to make. I mean, for those of us who have watched these things for many years and are deeply cynical about the, uh, and, and have had plenty of experience of the rough end of the, the public service kind of uh, running out of control, such promises sort of ring hollow. You know, like, the, ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, these are very senior officials. They should be held accountable to a certain degree. And if they make mistakes, which clearly, I think, in my view, and in the political class have accepted that the mistake was made here, there should be consequences and people should be held accountable and, and should not be given a free pass in relation to this. All right, Daniel, leave it there. Thank you very much. Political editor of the Irish Examiner, that's Daniel McConnell on the opinion. I don't actually care about this Tony Houlihan thing. It's kind of a general vibe I was getting from people at the weekend. Who cares? This is what they do. This is what the public servants do. They push stuff around. They're the real government. They're the permanent administration. They actually tell the ministers what to do. And the ministers do as they're told. That is the view that's out there among a lot of people. Kevin says I should care more about this, but the truth is I don't. I've just accepted it always happens. I care more about paying my bills and maybe getting a week away somewhere if I'm lucky. This is just noise for politicians. Uh, I doubt I'm alone. I don't think you are. I think a lot of people just don't care. Uh, John says these people are not elected with the public, yet they are making major decisions and creating important posts without consulting anyone, even their ministers. It's high time a halt was called to this, and both civil service and ministers made decisions that reflect public opinion. Uh, Kate says Tony got caught because there's a lot of knives out for him. They're all at it with high-paid roles. 0818 96 96 96. But I was kind of saying at the week, I heard it, I was actually mopping the kitchen floor. Such a mundane thing to be doing of a weekend that uh, I heard this coming through that he'd 
walked off the pitch and I goes, oh crikey, here we go. The permanent government running the, ton- running the country again. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie When we're enjoying Elton John and Dua Lipa, are you getting a cold heart? Has our love for Dermot Kennedy made you hope better tunes are coming? What I want. Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100 euro penny voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Next big giveaway on 96FM announced this morning. Cork's 96FM. Of course, we love Ed Sheeran, don't we? We do. And he's back in Leaside at the end of the month. So we want to send you and a friend to see Ed Sheeran twice. What? Twice. Parky Cueve on April 29th. And then in the summertime in Paris, the city of love, on July 30th. So you'll go to see him in April here in Cork, here in Parky Cueve. And then we'll fly you out. Flights, accommodation, spending money and tickets to see him in Paris on the 30th of July. You need to listen to Cork's 96 film from Tuesday, April 19th. And every time we play an Ed Sheeran song between 7am and 7pm of the weekdays, you need to WhatsApp in for your chance to win. All right, It's all with Blackpool Shopping District. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best, only on Cork's 96 FM. Next biggie, coming your way next week. 0818 96 96 96. Now I was talking to Catherine Fennell a couple of weeks ago and Catherine you were explaining to me how you have these wonderful staff at Colossal, your company but you're going to lose them in May unless you can get some visas sorted out. Uh, has that moved on any bit? Good morning. Good morning Peter. Firstly thank you for having me on two weeks ago and again this morning. Um Thanks to Padraig Sullivan who followed up on it and has been great since. And he's contacted Robert Troy and I have clarity around it, which is fantastic. Very good. So, um, as I mentioned, just to reiterate that I have three wonderful Brazilian ladies and we've applied for healthcare assistant work permits, which we can't get. Now, it transpires on the 14th of June 2021... Uh, Minister Damien English announced changes in the employment permit scheme. And this is what he said. These changes, which come into effect today, meaning the 14th of June 2021, will address immediate skills and labour shortage in the healthcare and nursing home sectors. Very clear. Mm-hmm. However, however, this is the big however, home care providers are not recognised as being in the healthcare sector. Oh. Can you believe that? Yes. That's there in black and white. Well, that's 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 our that's why our refusal. Um, we're not we're ineligible because we're home care provider companies, so we're not recognised as being in the healthcare sector in Ireland. So what else are you working in, like? <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, that's the first thing. So I've clarity there. At least I know where I stand there. So I've had meetings, numerous meetings with Padraig O'Sullivan, uh, correspondence with uh, enterprise.gov.ie, and. Um, and I have meetings with my three ladies. So what we 
can do and will do for the three ladies is apply for critical skills permits. Now, these are higher level and they pay a lot. There's a higher pay scale on it, but it has to be done. We need these ladies here working. Okay, I have five contacts in the Oireachtas. Uh, sorry, two con- five contacts, two in the Oireachtas and three in enterprisegov.ie that will oversee the process. So I'm guaranteed between three Two and five months, I will have permits for these ladies. Right. So they can stay with you now. They can stay with you. I will need to. I will need to follow up a few things. I will need first and foremost that their current permits are extended. They're due to expire on the thirty first of May. They need to be extended until the new permits, because once their permit runs out on the thirty first of May, they cannot work in Ireland until they actually get their hands on the next permit. So even if they're guaranteed a permit in five months' time, for three months they have to sit at home unpaid, unworked. So I will be pushing that hard that their that their current permits are extended. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will be then getting on to Minister Mary Butler, Minister for the Elderly, and I will ask her to immediately relax um, the requirements in relation to work permits for Cairns Ireland. We I mentioned a crisis last week. We all know that there's thousands and tens of thousands of people waiting to get into hospital. There are thousands of elderly waiting to get home. We need to address this immediately. We need to get those elderly people home where they want to be and get the people in Ireland who are waiting for operations to get them into hospital. So it's a win-win for everybody. So it, it I have Paul to me, Sal- It sounds to me like, and it's good to see that, that Padraig has followed through uh, yes, when he, he has. contacted us and said, look, he do what he can for you, but it's a slow and it sounds like it's, it's, it sounds like it's a sticky messy process. Sounds to me, Catherine, does you need an immigration lawyer advising you on paperwork and stuff here? We we do. So if there's anybody out there would we have sourced a company in Cork um that has uh, processed numerous uh, work permits for Brazilian people here in Ireland and she's happy to work with us and she seems to be well versed in the area. But if 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 there's any solicitor listening to me today who has any knowledge in this area, how we could speed up this process. But not only the process of getting the three work permits, the process of getting healthcare assistance on the ground here in Ireland, get the elderly out of hospital to home to where they want to be and get people who are waiting for operations into hospital and alleviate the whole mess that we're in here in Ireland. Like this idea that, that uh, the work that your employees do just yes. is not classed as healthcare. Oh, it's outrageous. That makes no sense to me anyway. No, it makes no sense to me either. But at least I know the reasoning behind the refusal. You know, yeah. it's just that, that, that it's ludicrous. So we need to change that. And as I said, I'll be getting on to Mary Butler um, to look at, you know, changing how we're perceived. We're, I wonder who signed off on that, Catherine. <laughs> wouldn't you wonder who's who, saw that? This? who saw this in yeah. black and white and said that care providers yes. were not included did, did anybody say hang on a second here no lads like yeah. what else are oh, they yeah. doing you know what are they exactly I know it, it's ludicrous so um, again thank you thank you for You're talking welcome. to me and and, and um, opening up the, the debate I'm not finished I'm I'm going to follow this up um, okay. and I will hope that maybe other home care companies in Ireland will address it as well themselves okay. and let's let's you know become a force to change really how okay. elder care addressed and and care, care for the disabled in Ireland okay. is addressed in Ireland Stay, because it Stay in touch with us then.
uh, and we'll we'll follow this one to, to its end. At least we've got some clarity on what's going on. Catherine Fennell, company called Colossov. But there's, that's, it's there black and white. The kind of work that Colossov do and that the employees of Colossov do is not classed as healthcare. Sorry, what is it then? It's not healthcare, what the hell is it? Is it? 0818-969696. We've also seen lots of, and heard lots about Dublin Airport over the last couple of weeks. I am only happy as a pig in you know what that I'm flying out of Cork this summer for me holly bubs, as I always do whenever I possibly can fly out of Cork. But, but, this call says I'm using Dublin Airport next month. I hope the queues will be sorted. The suggestion to bring in the army is ridiculous. You can't do that in this day and age. Situations caused by the DAA letting go their high-paid, experienced staff and trying to replace them with less experienced ones, and they're finding it difficult to find staff as well. The obvious answer is to fill the gap with contracted, experienced staff that have been let go. If they don't do that, DAA should be fined for every passenger delayed. They're in the unique near-monopoly position, and it was very obvious that something like this could happen. You're not wrong on anything you say there, caller, although I will tell you this. If you saw the way, I'm sure you did, the army got tens of thousands of people through vaccination centres. A few soldiers outside Dublin Airport on a Saturday or Sunday morning for the next couple of weeks until DAA gets its act together might just grease the wheels a bit. Tony O'Donoghue, the sports broadcaster in Old Mine, Tony posted a picture from Dublin Airport on his Twitter, and he took it 4 a.m., and it was like bedlam, absolute bedlam. A few soldiers, I'm telling you, a few soldiers for a couple of hours would sort that out while DAA gets its act together. 0818 96 96 96 on the prices uh, of things, the cost of living. John and Cove says the Taoiseach should get onto Cork County Council and stop the rent increases because they've gone sky high now. Rents have gone up 140 to 185 a week. Michal Martin should address that immediately because these people have very little left in their pockets after fuel and food. I would appreciate if the show made an issue of this and also if the council were asked to justify the rise in the light of the current inflation surge. I think there should be a rent strike for the amount of the increase. Well, I don't know about a rent strike, John, but certainly to have a county council or city council putting up rent in the middle of a cost of living crisis. Explanations required, one would think. 0818 96 96 96. We've all done corkage. We've all seen corkage. You know where you bring, you might bring your own wine to a restaurant. There are still some places that do it. There's one fabulous Indian restaurant in Carrigaline that I go to from time to time, and, and they allow you to bring in your own bottle of wine and then charge you a couple of quid per head to open. That's corkage. We know what corkage is. The latest one now is cakeage. Your cakeage. Cakeage is when you bring a cake for someone's birthday. Like, you know, your wife's birthday or your sister's birthday, your brother's birthday, your girlfriend's birthday. You bring a cake and you take it into the restaurant beforehand, like, and you leave it, and then at the kitchen and then dessert and happy birthday to you, blah, blah, the cake comes out, candle on it. They're now starting, you bring your own cake. They're now starting to charge for this. Some restaurants are calling it cakeage. They're charging you to do what they've been doing for years. Should they? That's the question I'll be asking next. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM loves Ed Sheeran. And you do too. So we want to send you and a friend to see him twice. Twice. Parky Queeve Cork on April 29th. Then once again in the city of love. Paris. Spending money and tickets to see Ed twice. Live in concert. Listen to Cork's 96 FM from Tuesday, April 19th for Ed Sheeran songs between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. weekdays. Then text WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Experience Ed Sheeran twice in Cork and Paris. With Blackpool Shopping District. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best. Two massive stadium shows. Thanks to one radio station. Cork's 96 FM. So, welcome. And have you come across this uh, cakeage thing? Good morning. Hi, sweetheart. Uh, yes, I have. I have. Um, and there's a reason that restaurants charge a cakeage or corkage even for wine, you know. Mm. It's simply, if you bring you in your cake, one cake, you just think, oh, it's one cake. What is the bother? bother. But you give it to a waiter. The waiter has to be paid. The waiter brings it into the kitchen so that it gets chilled and so on. Then they have to bring out the plates. The plates have to be paid for. The plates have to be cleaned. So somebody has to clean it who has to get paid, mm. you know. And then also, so it means that you bring something in that the restaurant makes no revenue on, but still has costs occur to it. Mm. So, and also, if you bring in your own cake, you stay longer at the table because, oh, be, ba, be, ba, be, ba, you, 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 you talk along and you admire the cake and you eat the cake, which means that, the restaurant can't give the table away to paying customers. Okay, you know, so so even though you paid for your meal before, it it doesn't cover the cost for the cake. You know, so yeah. from that point, I do understand. Obviously, if they charge fifty quid, obviously that is a bit much. But yeah, that's probably what the cake costs they, sometimes. Just mean exactly, exactly. But also, they don't know where the cake has been made. They don't know what ingredients have been used. They don't know how the cake has been stored. They don't know where the ingredients have been bought. It was it safe and so on. If something happens with that cake, mm. anybody getting sick or anything, it's also the reputation of the restaurant. I you know, see. so you have to really think very carefully about it. I think if I had a restaurant, I don't think I would actually allow anybody bringing anything in because yeah. of costs yeah. and safety. Safety you being know, what you don't it is know. these days. Just on, on the cost thing, though, Elke, yeah. like if, I, if I'm out for a birthday dinner and mm-hmm. there's 10 or 12 of us there and, you know, we'll, we'll be eating, obviously, and there'll be a few drinks being had and... There'll be a lot of drinks being had if it's my family event to do with it, right? <laughs> there'll be wine, there'll be beer, there'll be whatever. So yeah. the person who is going in and out with the cake on a plate, they're going in mm. and out anyway. So there's not exactly any extra <laughs> hours being worked by that person. Uh, not extra hours, but still it's not revenue coming in for that particular time. You see? So, so let's say I'm sitting down and I'm ordering my starter. Yeah. So I pay for that starter. So the waiter coming in and out gets paid from that starter. If I have my main course coming in, my waiter gets paid for, I pay the waiter for with that main course. But if I have done a cake, there's no money coming in. So okay. even so he has to, to do, the, he's there anyway, but he still has to get paid. You know, so a restaurant is a business and I do understand people say, oh, it's just one cake. But just imagine you have kind of a couple of one cakes a week. 
you know, that really taps into your revenue. So I know, and and people don't understand how expensive it actually is to run a restaurant or a cafe. It's bloody expensive. Mm. Nobody goes in to become rich because Mm -hmm. you don't get rich. You get rich through other things, but definitely not to running a restaurant. And people keep forgetting that, you know, they're sitting down, they just see what coming out, they don't see the work Mm. and and, and the bookkeeping behind that, because Christ, that is, that's one reason I don't want a restaurant. (laughs) You know, it's way too much work. (laughs) Yeah, but no, it's so. This is you, you, it's the same as Corkage, with mine and stuff. Yeah, the Corkage, as I said, there's one there's one restaurant that we go to from time to time in in yeah. Line and you can bring your own wine. And and I've done that. I've brought a particularly favourite mm-hmm. red with me, and they charge. I think it's three euro per head at the table to open it. Mm-hmm. Now that still kind of works out cheaper than you'd buy the bottle of wine if you were buying it off a menu. Um, oh, oh, absolutely. But the thing is, they not really. It's obviously they make their money through the wine, you know. So, so for example, if you think that, uh, uh, let's say you have a three-course meal, uh, normally what happens is, and that's why re- restaurants are actually struggling when the uh, uh, um, driving van came in. We know that you can't drink and drive. It's uh, uh, the revenue went down quite a bit yeah. because people stopped drinking. So this is actually part of their revenue. You know, so so they actually anticipate that gotcha. you drink a bottle of wine. You know, so obviously they're getting their wine much cheaper than it is actually sold on the menu, oh, yeah. simply to make up for any loss. So, for example, they can't actually charge you the full price for a steak, for example, because nobody would order a steak if the whole price would be would be charged. So the restaurant anticipate, okay, if you buy, if we sell a bottle of even the house wine, which is normally the cheapest, mm. they still make money on the steak because they cover the cost with the wine and so on. So so there is a lot behind that, you know. Yeah. So if you bring in your own wine, they need to counteract that as well. I see. I see. You know? So normally to be honest, if you if for example, let's say a hotel, for example, if you have a hotel and you have a wedding there and you say you bring in your own wine, normally it's uh, so the average would be ten euros per bottle of wine and I think it's 30, 12 to thirteen for a bottle of sparkling. Obviously, that, that varies from hotel to hotel. But this is the average kind of thing. <laughs> and and this covers their costs, you know. So they say, okay, we still have to store the wine because you normally bring it in the day before. So it has to be, white wine has to be chilled, champagne has to be chilled and so on. So they cover the cost with that, you know. And the waiters obviously have to pour, open the bottle, pour the, uh, pour the bottle, uh, fill the glasses, uh, uh, wash the glasses and so on and so on and so on. So this is normally covered with that. Three euros per head. They're in a restaurant, they just said, okay, fine. This is actually what each, if every, let's say you have 10 people, 30 quid is normally a, a normal battle of house wine anyway. I see. You know, so this is, how, this is how they kind of cover that. I got you. I got you. Well explained, Elke. Thank you very much for that, Elke Omani, Piazosta, and of course, writes in Cork Independent. Good to speak with you again. Thank you. So there she's making the case for cakeage. So there's 10 of you having dinner, or eight of you, or six of you, or 12 of you, or 20 of you having dinner for birthday or a special occasion and the cake has been in the kitchens the day before it's got to be stored carefully it's got to be served you've got to get a plate you've got to wash the plate you've got to wash the cutlery etc 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 and all of that has to be paid for so that's the explanation for cakeage well you think oh wait one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six would you pay cakeage if you wanted to have something, say, next weekend, your dinner booked in a restaurant wherever for Christmas, or for me, say, for Easter Sunday, might be somebody's birthday, 
Easter Sunday next weekend, somebody's birthday, you're having lunch in some restaurant or other, I'm not going to name, name any because I don't know whether they do cork or cake or not, and say, yeah, oh, we have a cake coming in. Okay, well, we're going to charge two quid ahead for everybody at the table. Uh, would you would you still pay that? Would you pay cakeage? Have you have you paid cakeage? Think cakeage is fair. I see the po- Elke explains it really well as to why cakeage is being charged. Your thoughts on that later? Uh, keep them coming. Would you pay cakeage? Have you ever been charged it? What do you think? If you think Elke's explanation is fair, oh eight one eight. 96, 96, 96. Now, you remember the tragic death in 2020 of Kimberly O'Connor uh, on Harborview Road. After that accident, councillors from the northwest ward of the city agreed to provide 25 grand out of ward funds, their local area budget, to put in traffic calming measures. It's two years on. And nothing has actually happened. A shovel has not yet been swung in anger. Councillor McNugent, what's going on? Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Yes, as you said, we did the councillors in, the six councillors in the Northwest last year, um, over the budget we had. We did agree to put €25,000 uh, towards traffic calming measures, ramps on Harvey Road. Um, myself and Kenny Collins, we actually walked the road with one of the road engineers and kind of having an outline of a plan to put in 10 ramps. Um, no, that could have been tweaked at meetings or whatever, but the management kind of came back then and said, they wanted to divert the money to to get an independent engineer or consultant to actually come up with a plan. I suppose the issue for us then was there was no guarantee there would be funds then to carry out the works on the back of a plan. So I suppose needless to say, we weren't actually amenable to that proposal. And, you know, since then it's been left on the agenda without any progress, how to move it on. Um now, there is a possibility maybe of funds from this year's budget, but we're still stuck where the council management were proposing to give the money to a consultant, and we want to just go ahead and use that money for traffic calming uh, measures, PJ. That's where we're at with it. But why do they want a consultant? Does the council not have at least one engineer in the roads department who would be able to tell you what you can and can't do without going outside and spending taxpayers' money on a private company? Yeah, absolutely. Look... That was a view we articulated, a view I articulated. I mean, look, they have people in-house. You know, they've done a... They designed junction works there at Harvey Road and Blarney Road and Tybarry Road with people in-house. Like, so we couldn't see the sense of it, you know. So it kind of led to a level of, I suppose, disappointment and frustration, as you can imagine, amongst the local community. I know you've covered this, PJ. Yes. This issue a few times, and Donna Sullivan from the Impact Group has been on. So people are a bit disappointed with it. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The opinion line with PJ this is when you bring in your own cake for a celebration, dinner, party, whatever, and they charge you per head 
to serve up the cake that you brought in from the outside. Elke was on earlier on, Elke Manny was saying, look, this is the reason there is, it's costs involved and someone's got to be paid and the cake has to be stored and all this kind of thing. But would you pay it? Have you paid it? Have you been asked for it? Would you, for example, not bring in a cake if you thought you were going to be charged for it? Your thoughts are coming in at 083 396 96 96 and 0818 396 96 96. There's a new actor starting tonight in EastEnders and we have a very strong connection to him. There is a 96 FM connection to tonight's episode of EastEnders in which Lewis Butler will make his first appearance. I'll tell you what that is in a little while. Cork lad, Aidan O'Callaghan appearing tonight for the first time as Lewis Butler. A very strong 96 FM connection. What? There is. I'll tell you later. 0818 96 96 96. I'm going to talk a bit about food though. And the cost of food going up and up and up. A couple of years ago there was a documentary program. I think they called it What Are We Eating? Or Do You Know What You're Eating? Philip Boucher Hayes was presenting it anyway. Something like that. And he did an episode where he looked at junk cuts of meat, for example. Scraps of meat being reprocessed and pressed and packaged and resold. Sometimes being sold as good stuff, when in actual fact it wasn't. And you think with the cost of food rising, there's a temptation, I suppose, to do that. Uh, you kind of call it food fraud. People who would maybe take junk, junk cuts process them and press them and shape them and package them well and sell them off as premium is that happening has it have you what are the are there sanctions in place for someone caught doing that how, how can we tell if we're suspicious about something also stuff that's coming up to being passed its sell by particular maybe you know past its best before rather than it's used by Two very different things, of course. Stuff that's passed its best before. Could that be repackaged? Let's bring in a man who knows all about this, and that is John Cody. He's Chief Audit and Investigations Manager at the Food Safety Authority of Ireland. John, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for inviting me on your programme. Delighted to have you. At a time when the cost of food and the cost of production and packaging of food is going up, there would be a temptation on the more unscrupulous to start selling off the the, the chaff as the wheat, as it were. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd have to agree with you there um, because if there's a profit to be made, um, people will engage in fraudulent and deceptive practices, um, PJ. And while there's no definition of food fraud, we would consider it to be um, uh, where people... And misrepresent, dilute, and substitute um, uh, uh, those type of activities um, for financial gain. But it's important to remember and to you and your listeners that there are inspectorates working for the FSAI in the Department of Agriculture, Food and Marine, the Environmental Health Service of the HSE, the Sea Fisheries Protection Authority and the local authority vets. And they are carrying out official controls unannounced um, in food business operations to ensure that consumer health is protected and that consumers are not being misled in any way. And they particularly target these type of fraudulent and deceptive practices, PJ. Mm. So while there are unscrupulous 
individuals and criminals out there where we are continuously monitoring um, their activities to ensure that there's no threat to public health. I remember watching that programme a number of years ago and being impressed by how like the real thing some of this junk looked. So for the average consumer buying a a few bits and pieces for the family, what can they be wary of? What can they watch out for? Well, I suppose the most important thing, um, PJ, is to always source your food products um, from a a food business operation that you know and trust. Okay, that may be the multiples. It may be your local butcher or your local fishmonger who you've built up a a relationship with over 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 the years, um, and these people endeavour to actually charge what is probably the the best price, a reasonable price um, for their products. But it, they're coming from trusted sources. And as I said, the, the inspectorates are ensuring that all along the food chain, food law is being complied with. Um, our concern is that sometimes um, you will have individuals who will start knocking on doors in white vans and will appear out nowhere. Mm. And in these trying and economic times, They'll present a product that appears to be the very same as the tried and trusted, trusted product. Um, but um, when you delve into it, it's not exactly what it says on the tin. And our mantra and our advice to people is, if the price is too good to be true, it's too good to be true, PJ. Yeah. So the advice is, stick with your um, tried, and sus- uh, tried and trusted um, food businesses, either in-store or online, and you can be assured then that the inspectorates are carrying out their official controls to ensure mm. that public health is protected and uh, consumer interests. Consumers are not being misled. Like any decent supermarket or, like you said, local butcher or food shop of any kind, they, they must comply with legislation to put something up on the shelf. Yes. And the way food law is is structured, Richard, is that it's the responsibility of the food business operator to actually comply with food law. And varying types of food businesses will be complex or, or not complex. A corner shop um, being an example of a not very complex food business operation. But they still do have to maintain temperature temperatures in their refrigerated units if they have freezer units, carry out um, prerequisite activities such as cleaning, pest control, etc. Mm. And these are then verified by the inspectorates when they go in. Mm. And of course, as the food businesses get more complicated um, in relation to, for example, uh, meat processing, um, they will come under veterinary supervision. Or when you go into the fish industry, your colleagues from the Sea Fisheries Protection Authority based in Clonakilty mm. will verify um, that those food businesses PJ are complying with food law. Do you guys do like things like mystery shopper, secret shoppers? Yes. Well, what we do is we actually monitor and continue to monitor online um, uh, if we get any notification that there may be some kind of illegal activity going on. We carry out what's called open source surveillance. We will actually endeavour to um, uh, track such food businesses if they are if they are trading and we will carry out test purchases and we'll send the products that have been test purchased away for analysis and if they don't comply with food law the appropriate enforcement action will be taken pj i see and what kind of what kind of sanctions can can a person face for selling dodgy food well 
the powers that are available to the inspectorates are very extensive um, from the um, Food Safety Authority of Ireland Act in 1998 um, and uh, additional statutory instruments and European food law um, that are on the statute books now. Like we can prosecute and we have successfully prosecuted the individuals who've been involved in fraudulent activities, particularly around alcohol and vodka. And the district justice have imposed um, significant fines on individuals successfully prosecuted. But we also actually have very extensive enforcement powers, such as closure orders and enforcement and um, prohibition orders. And you probably are aware that every month, um, a summary of those mm. um, orders and enforcement actions are published by the authority. So um, we are active, we are um, risk-based and um, we are um, proportionate in the way we deal with food businesses. But ultimately, if there's any possibility that consumer health is being um, threatened or consumer interests are being threatened by not being in the tin, what is in, in the tin, for example, the vodka cases, um, um, we have no hesitation to actually bring those people before the courts or take the appropriate enforcement actions, PJ. Okay. In, in terms of a person making an individual complaint, like if I see something yes. that, that I don't like the look of or the smell yes. of or the taste of in my local shop, yes. can I make a personal complaint? Yes, you can. Um, you may wish to bring it to the attention of the food business operator, but we have a facility on our website um, whereby consumers who have any concern can make a complaint um, and it will be fully and thoroughly investigated, depending on the seriousness, either by ourselves or in conjunction, actually, with um, one of the inspectorates. But more importantly, PJ, I think, is that um, the Protected Disclosures Act of 2014 and a new whistleblowing directive that the EU have brought in provides the facility for food workers or former food workers who may have concerns about the activities that are going on in the food business to bring those to our attention. And they are investigated thoroughly. Uh, independently and the identity of the person making the protected disclosure can uh, is never revealed okay. to the food business operator and that that facility again is actually available on our website uh, by email via protected disclosure at fsai.ie okay. so we are very very um mindful of the need for consumers and food workers to contact us if they have any concerns um, about non-compliance with food law. Just two, two other things um, briefly, and one is dates. Now, there is a difference, isn't there, between the best before date and the use yes. by date. And am I correct yeah. in saying you may not sell something after it's used by date, but you may continue to sell it after its best before date, once you point that out that it has passed? Yeah, look, I mean, the use by date is absolute, okay? Where a best before date means that um, the product will continue to be um, uh, okay to consume after the best before date. Some um, quality changes may take place or organoleptically it may not taste as well as previous um, to the best before date. But Look, my advice and um, uh, at home with my family and um, uh, my grown-up kids is, look, um, both are there for a reason. And um, if you shop 
um, appropriately. And if you stock rotate when you, within your own home and your own fridge, you shouldn't really have anything that um, exceeds either the best before or the use by date. Okay. Lastly, and I know it's not quite your, your area, John, but we've had a lot of products recalled over the last few weeks. The, the Kinder stuff, a huge yes. salmonella um, problem. But Tesco yes. have taken some biscuits back off the shelves. Centra had a mishap with some salmon. Duns have taken... What is going on there? Are you across it? Oh, we are. We're absolutely on top of it. We have a very, very well-resourced incidents team who team he, here in the Food Safety Authority who continuously uh, monitor and liaise with industry. Um, and in fairness, it, it's important in, in these instances, um, PJ, to, to, to confirm that industry act responsibly, that if they do own checks and they discover that there is a problem actually um, with the foods, they will actually bring it to the attention of the regulators. But in addition, at times, um, the inspectorates are taking their own official control samples and sometimes those official control samples may generate non-compliance with micro or chemical constituents and um, that may require immediate action but everything is thoroughly risk assessed and if there is a need to um, recall we have absolutely no problem making those decisions because that's why we're here PJ. All right listen thank you very much for your time today John Cody he's Chief Audit and Investigations Manager at the Audit Incidents and Investigations Department of the Food Safety Authority of Ireland. It is a long title but he's got a lot of work on. There's loads of stuff been taken off shelves, not just the Kinder. Uh, that particular one in, in Centra with the salmon, it went out It went out being sold as smoked salmon, but actually it was raw. Now, I would have thought the minute you opened the package, you'd know that. But, yeah. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Do you ever wonder what an ambassador does? An Irish ambassador to some far-flung corner of the world. That's all going to be focused on this week at a conference called the Global Ireland Summit which is a gathering taking place in Dublin later on this week, be addressed by the Taoiseach and by a number of our other global teams around the world. But what does an ambassador actually do when they're based in a foreign country? Fanula Quinlan is Ireland's current ambassador to Kenya, and she joins me from, I believe, Nairobi. Fanola, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good, good. And you're from Cork, I believe. I am indeed, yeah. I grew up in Balancholic. Let's, I suppose, ask, start at the start. What does the Irish ambassador to Kenya, based in Nairobi, actually do? Um, well, we are, we're accredited to Kenya, of course, but also to three other countries in the region, Sudan, Somalia and Eritrea. And basically, I suppose, if I had to sum it up in one line, I would say we work to advance Ireland's interests 
um, in that country. So it is around, for example, supporting the Irish community who are there with um, consular assistance. So if something goes wrong, for example, if they're in an accident and um, with passports, with visas for Kenyans who want to study or work in Ireland, for example. And um, we work to build to support rather two way trade between Kenya and Ireland. So, um, for example, just last July, <clears throat> our foreign minister, uh, Simon Coveney, came out and visited. He oversaw the signing of a number of deals. We um, agreed a double taxation agreement, which makes trade between both countries much easier. Mm. Of course, we also work to advance our political interests. And now both Kenya and Ireland are on the UN Security Council together for a two-year period. So that gives us an opportunity to, to work on shared priorities. And some of those, for example, are around tackling climate change oh. or improving peacekeeping, because both countries deploy peacekeepers very, very often. Right. Um, and just two quick final points I would make, I guess, is um, we have a development programme. So we work um, we work to support Kenya's development um, through Irish Aid, of course, which is the Irish government and the Irish People's Aid programme. Um, and that is supporting Kenya in fields such as education, building agriculture and learning some of the lessons from Ireland in terms of attracting foreign direct investment. And then also the Horn of Africa at the moment, which is where Kenya, Sudan, Somalia and Eritrea are based, essentially is suffering from um, a very, very serious drought and a very big food crisis. So we're also working to channel some humanitarian funding to those countries and to advocate mm. in favour of greater focus on them. So plenty to keep you going. Now, when you were growing up, Ambassador, as a, a small girl going to school in, in Ballincollig and doing things like making your communion and confirmation, is this how you <laughs> saw yourself? <clears throat> Uh, no, I can't say. I, I never imagined it, actually, but it's been, um, it's just an enormous privilege and, and such an interesting how, how role. How did it happen, Fennell? Well, for me, it was a little bit, it wasn't the typical route into our diplomatic service. So um, maybe just to give you a little bit of context or your listeners a little bit of context. Generally, what happens, it's, you know, the, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade is, of course, part of the civil service. So usually people coming out of college, they might sit a third secretary exam. And that's the, the point at which you enter into the into the diplomatic service. My background is a bit more unusual. I was actually a journalist for, for quite a few years. Um, and I joined the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade at the point at which they sought um, an external person to become press advisor for Irish Aid, the government's okay. overseas aid programme. So that's how I joined. And um, and then I've, um, you know, I stayed on. I moved into the broader department and then I had the opportunity to go on posting. So to go abroad and, and serve Ireland overseas. Mm. Yeah. Do you know, being from this part of the world where we grow up and, and life is relatively easy compared to being in somewhere like the Horn of Africa, like you'd be in the global north, as it were. How does it affect you watching people literally dying in a famine? Well, I can't say that I've actually seen that yet. I mean, the humanitarian situation certainly is very, very bad. Um, and I suppose what we always, you know, seek to do is... Um, to try to use our voice to raise awareness of that and, and, and encourage a response to it, both from Ireland and, of course, internationally. So at the UN and at the EU and at the other multilateral forum. Um, fora. But of course, I mean, seeing a human suffering like that is, of course, very, very distressing. But I suppose we always just try to take as constructive um, an approach to it as possible. Mm. It must be upsetting personally if you see suffering like that, is it? Yeah, well, I'm sure your listeners can can relate to that, of course, you know, seeing 
children suffer or, or adults suffer. And I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of suffering in the world right now, of course, and people are watching what's happening in Ukraine and elsewhere. And, mm. you know, it is it's, it's just it is upsetting, of course, for people. But um, I guess our, our job is to try to, um, to try to respond to it as, you know, as as constructively and as rapidly as we can and to really use our voice. And that's I think Ireland's known for that, you know. Mm not only responding to hunger born out of our own experience of a great famine, but really using our voice within the world, at the EU, at the UN. And now, of course, we have this seat at the top table of the UN. So I think our colleagues in New York and elsewhere are using that really to draw attention to these crises and to try to tackle some of the underlying causes, such as, you know, conflict and climate change and and big issues that are really driving these humanitarian crises. When you see children hungry and suffering, there must be an instinct that you have to kind of quell to just start filling up plane loads of food and sending it over. Because, you know... Well, that also has its, you know, that also has its place, of course. You know, the actual practical response to it. And absolutely, I mean, Ireland is, you know, in terms of some of the some of the funds that the UN operates, for example, to respond to crises immediately, well, or not, perhaps not immediately, but as quickly as possible, Ireland is, you know, amongst the biggest donors to those. Because, of course, the first thing is to try to save lives and alleviate suffering. Sure. Um, so absolutely, that immediate response has a, has, has a big role to play. And Ireland is, is really known not only for, you know, advocating on behalf of, of those suffering, but also actually responding directly and on the ground. Mm. What's Nairobi like to live in and to work in? In terms of being a, a, a is it is it as modern a city, say, as Cork or Dublin or London or wherever? You know, it is a very modern city. There's plenty of skyscrapers, you know, highways. Um, it's a very dynamic city. The Kenyans are incredibly dynamic and entrepreneurial people. So you do see, you know, you see business really thrives there. Um, you can you can get everything that you 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 know you might need to get in terms of you know, supplies or whatever. It's a very well, well supplied, well resourced city. There are terrible pockets of poverty, of course. I mean, you know, um, millions of people live in informal settlements. So places, you know, that often mightn't have running water or electricity mm. and, and kind of, you know, houses that are fabricated. Shanty towns like, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, you do have, you have both sides of it, I guess. But um, but certainly it's a country that's, you know, that's achieved lower middle income status now. It's it's growing well. It's um it's a very nice place to live, very interesting place to live. Mm. Um, and, you know, obviously I just feel very privileged to, to have the role that I do. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and as, a, you know, as a family, I'm, I'm there with my husband and son and it's a, it's a very nice place for a family to be as well. Yeah. Is it glamorous, Fanola, in any way? I mean, when you remember the ad years ago, the ambassador's residence, is it, is it glamorous any kind of... Um, well... I mean, of course, you know, there are, you know, receptions that you attend and everything. But I'll be honest with you, that's that's a relatively small part of the job. Um, and of course, when you are going to receptions and you're meeting, you know, be that Kenyan ministers or business people or other diplomats, you know, essentially you are working. There might be issues you need to discuss with them and that's an opportunity to do so. So, um, but a lot of it, I mean, you know, often a lot of it is, you know, you're in your office and you're just doing, Mm. you know, you're just working on those priorities I outlined to you at the beginning. But I mean, I suppose it's a very, it's a very privileged job. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. 
you really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. To represent your country overseas, so... Yeah. So that's um, that's certainly a a, a, a real a real honour. Is it something you see yourself at long term? Do these postings move? Where, how often, for example, do you get back to to Um Well, in general, in terms of posting, so most um, diplomats work kind of on a rotation. So you'll be back working at the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade in Dublin at headquarters on any of the, be it a geographic desk or. Um, so in, 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 in any of the sections that are at headquarters and then every kind of maybe three years you go overseas to a different to a different posting. And of course, yeah, there are opportunities to come back. I mean, I'm here this week. Actually, I'm in Ireland actually at the moment. PJ. Yeah. I'm here for the Global Ireland Conference that's taking place this week. Um, it's taking place and actually uh, so heads of mission and diplomats and our colleagues from the department are gathering for the next two days. But then there is a, there's a there's actually a public section to it on Thursday where, you know, it's an opportunity for leaders in the public sector, community, civil society, along with diplomats to come together and reflect on Ireland's influence and how we're working to build and strengthen that overseas. And it's actually being broadcast on Ireland.ie okay. from nine to one on Thursday and we'll be addressed by the Taoiseach and the Tánaiste, the Ministers yes. for Foreign Affairs, Education, Commissioner Moraid McGuinness, um, senior leaders from the UN and OECD and others. So um, so that's, for example, an opportunity for me to come back to Ireland, meet colleagues, and all of us will be looking at, you know, how are we strengthening our place in the world? Yeah. How are we building our influence? And particularly at a time, I guess, when we're ever more conscious that you know, we're interconnected. <laughs> COVID has t- taught us that, the global financial crisis has taught us that. And now, regrettably, I guess, the Russian war in Ukraine is showing us yeah. again just how important global solidarity is. is. Is that like something that's likely at a, to come up, like at a conference like this one here this week? Like, could you be meeting up with ambassadors from Russia, Ukraine and that kind of place and talking to them about what the person in the street in Kenya thinks about the war or how Kenyans see it. Like, would you get sort of down that kind of conversations? Um, Well, so all of my colleagues who serve around the world would be back. I mean, it's very, 
it's a very um, ambitious program that we have. You know, as I mentioned, you know, addresses from the Taoiseach and 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 yeah. Minister Coveney and others, and the Taoiseach, of course, on everything from trade and investment, the European Union, climate action. So it's really an opportunity. But of course, on the sidelines, then there will be opportunities to talk to colleagues and share experiences. Yeah. And and in the two days that are coming up, actually, the, the Tuesday and Wednesday. It's um, it's more of an internal conference. So it's colleagues from within the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade meeting and hearing from other colleagues about their experience of, you know, everything from... from But you'd you'd meet your colleagues, you know, Irish ambassadors to the likes of Russia, Ukraine. You know, you'd meet them. I suppose we never know what's said, but you'd you'd have very frank conversations with them about the reality of what it's like in those places. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, enjoy the trip home and, and thank you for being with us, um, Ambassador, and safe journey back to, to Kenya when you're headed there, which is when? Um, well, I'm actually in Ireland now until the end of this week and then I'm taking a few weeks holidays. So it'll be May when I'm back in, um, it'll be May when I'm back in Kenya. Okay. Well, enjoy in, enjoy yeah. your break and thanks for being with us on the opinion. Ambassador to Kenya, uh, Fanola Quinlan. From Ballancolig and home in Ireland at the moment. I thought she was still in Nairobi because I wasn't aware that this was actually completely in person, this global summit. But it is, and she's here for that. And thanks for being with us. And uh, we're grateful to Christine Mannion in the Department of Foreign Affairs who assisted us with setting up that item. Thank you, Ambassador. 0818-969696. Is this a job that attempts you? Is it a job that you'd like to find yourself in the diplomatic corps, in some embassy in the far-flung corner of the world? I know Michael, who emails us here constantly on all sorts of topics of conversation, we'd love to hear from him. Michael is retired now, but Michael worked in something like 30 countries as a member of the diplomatic service, and he has an endless stream of stories from around the world. must be a really, really interesting line of work. 0818 96 96 96 Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM With the Cork City Marathon Take on your next challenge this June By running solo or with a team Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM Your guide to nightlife on Leaside Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment The Ballydehop Jazz Festival is back on the streets on Maybank holiday weekend The village will host a live music trail featuring over 30 performances From Irish and international acts including Fixity, Donald Deneen, Eve Fagan, and the Valentines and many more. Check out Bally the Hob Jazz Festival for more. Access all areas. UK comedian Terry Alderton comes to City Limits on Saturday, April 23rd. One of the most exciting comedians around, Terry has worked with stars such as Joan Rivers and Eddie Izzard. Check out thecomedyclub.ie for ticket details. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96 f Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Talking earlier to Councillor Mick Nugent of Sinn Féin about Harbourview Road, remembering that two years ago, following the death of Kimberly O'Connor, uh, there was money put in, 25 grand was put up by the local councillors from their ward fund to do something about traffic calming on Harbourview Road. And as Councillor Nugent told us, well, it actually hasn't happened yet. And in actual fact, the council 
want to take that 25 grand and spend it on outside consultants to put together some kind of report. So two years on, there's still nothing has been done. James Toomey, good morning to you. I think yeah, good morning. How are you? I don't think people are too surprised, to be they're honest. They're not, no. They're not, no. And, and the unfortunate thing is people expect it, you know, and, and they shouldn't. They should demand more, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, but look, look, I, I, I sent in a text there to Fergal about a suggestion about making Harvey Road one way. Yeah. You know, like the junction of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Knockneely Avenue up as far as the roundabout, um, near the school, and then traffic coming from Apple would be diverted up Chipper Hill and up onto Kilmore Road and come back down Knockneely Avenue and back down onto Harvey Road and heading in towards town. Because what's after happening there, they're after building the new houses way around to the road. So the road, I'd say they're after losing about 30% of the road in that section that I just mentioned, you know. Mm. And then to add injury to insult, they put um, a cycling lane on the other side to make it narrower again, you know. Mm. So cars are nearly clipping off each other when they're passing there. Mm. You know? Yeah. That's and and obviously speed on top of that then as well. So I, I don't know, I was listening to Mick and I just came up with it there. I just came into my head make it one way, I mean, to, to lessen the traffic by 50% anyway, if not more. All the traffic is going one way, to cut out collisions, because what's happening a lot is the cars are pulling out from the estates on the right-hand side, and they're coming into, they're trying to get across two lanes of traffic, and there's a few blind spots there, and they're getting caught on the right-hand side, you know? That's a, it's that's a very good idea, but I'm just wondering, unless you slow the traffic down, yeah, uh, you could make it one way very easy, but unless you slow the traffic down, People are still going to drive up there like the hammers, speeding and joyriding at night time. We know that goes on. Like, yeah. There's got to be something done about ramps and just things to discourage speed. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that because I actually put ramps in there, put the ramps in there, and um, there's no reason why they shouldn't be there, you know? I mean, obviously 100% the, car, the traffic needs to be calmed down because you're like, people treat it like a dual carriageway, as Nick said. Yeah. You know, and it is a residential area and there's a lot of kids playing there. Like, I, I, I grew up in Harvey Road, as you know, and I, I got knocked down there. And my brother in, years earlier, he got knocked down, and he was very serious. It was touch and go with him, you know? Yeah. You know, so, and that was back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. So, and it still happened. Look, it's just a lucky guy. Just, no one's been, you know, knocked down since, like, when kids yeah. are more clever these days. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose what we were, you know? Yeah. It, it just beggars belief, though, doesn't it, James, that the 25,000 was put up by the, by the councillors from their ward funds, yeah. and then the council wants to go... And spend it outside the building when there actually are engineers employed by the council yeah, know, to do I this heard. kind of I, work. I, do you know what? No, PJ, I'll be honest with you. I, 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 you know, I have no answer to that. It's ridiculous. I've never heard anything more stupid in my life. You know? It's like, I don't know. I, I, you know, I really don't. It's just, it makes no sense. Yeah. Absolutely no sense. You know? All right. You know, you couldn't describe it against anything else. No, you couldn't. But, you couldn't make it up, really. You couldn't make it up, no. But that's my suggestion. If it was made one way, Obviously, speed, 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 major speed is a big factor that I need to be thing. But I would definitely cut up the traffic in Harvey Road because there is a lot of traffic going up there, especially with Apple now coming on board and the new buildings going up there, you know? Or yeah. proposed buildings, you know? Yeah. Another extension uh, to Apple. Listen, that's, that's welcome. Massive employer. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely, but yeah. yeah. One, one narrow road, a relatively narrow road, isn't going to carry yeah, all that traffic. Exactly. Those roads were never designed first day for the amount of traffic that they take anyway, you know? Yeah. You know? That's the end of the day, like. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. James, thank you. James Toomey, the boys and girls of Nucca. And again, like 25 grand that they want to spend on outside consultants when they have engineers in the building. Can anybody translate that into English for me? It doesn't make any sense. Right, we go back to Cakeage. 
Cakeage is this new thing that they're charging now in restaurants where you bring in your own cake for a birthday celebration. You buy the cake and you bring it in, say, will you keep that and we'll cut it up on the night. Thanks very much. Great. They're now starting to charge for that. Uh, it's called cakeage. A couple of quid per head might be a euro or a euro fifty or two. I don't know because I don't know anyone who's ever been charged it so far. But if you've ever been, tell me how much. If people are that upset about it, why not display the cake in the restaurant so the family and friends can admire it, but then eat it at home? You can then have the restaurant dessert and sing happy birthday of that and leave the cake alone. Hi PJ, coming in on this conversation about the cakes. A friend of mine recently was given permission to bring a cake into a bar or restaurant for her son's confirmation. However, when they went to cut the cake, they weren't allowed. They were only allowed to look at it and take pictures of it. This is ridiculous. She went to the trouble of collecting it to bring it especially to the restaurant for her guests to eat. She then had to invite everyone back to the house so they could cut it up. Love the show from Jen. Thanks. It's typically, this is crazy. I'd know it's typically between five and ten euro per head. I give you six people at the table. That's more than the flipping cake cost. Five and. In fairness, PJ, having worked in restaurants for years, when a booking brings a cake, nine times out of ten, it'll replace the dessert orders. That's six euro approximately. Multiplied over and over, knocked off the bill. A huge chunk of cash gone for the restaurant. Also, please consider the waitress time to be in the kitchen plating the cake, trying to source all the plates, forks, candles. Honestly, in peak busy times, we're like wildcats back in the kitchen, washing and drying plates and cutlery for your tables. It put me under so much pressure to be looking for forks and side plates. Also, consider the guests appreciate a blob of cream, a bit of chocolate sauce, and the waitress taking time to present the cake and sing happy birthday. It's the biggest nuisance in a restaurant, and the waitresses do not want to be dealing with cakes. And then, let's not even forget that the guest wants you to box up the remainder and take it home. It's really time-consuming when you're absolutely hopping busy. It's just an added layer and a reminder to tip the good waitress, the ones that go the extra mile. Well, I always leave a tip. Wherever I go, we try to, anyway, leave a tip wherever we go. But that, that puts a whole other picture on it. Like, if you have a, bit, a big cake for a party, they've got to, they've got to find, oh, just want to eat plates, forks, God almighty, oh, you can imagine them running around like blue arse what's it, inside in the kitchen. So there, that puts that bit of perspective on it. Um, yeah, you're expecting the service, the cutlery, and the cleaning after. How would you like it if the restaurant said you can use your own your, your you can use our only our cake or sure bring in your own cake then put it down on top of your dirty plate and cut it yourself what's an extra couple of euro for the cake fair point although it seems to be not an extra couple of euro in a lot of places it's between 5 and 10 euro which is a lot more than a couple so every time you read something in the newspaper, just a feature item, and you think, that is a very good idea. The idea I speak of is a scary hour. A what, Peach? A scary hour. An hour in the week where you do all those things that you put off and put off and put off and put off. You sit down and you get it all done in an hour. And it actually can end up saving you money. Neve Hennessy's been writing about it in the in the examiner. Neve, good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. A great idea. It's a fantastic idea, and uh, I wrote about it last week in, um, in the Consumer Corner in the Examiner, and it actually came from a, a lady in America, Laura Wheeler, and she came up with this idea because I think, like all of us, we all have to-do lists. Like, yeah. I have a to-do list, and, you know, it's, it's sometimes in my head, I... I keep it a lot of time on the notes app on my on my phone and we have the urgent to do things like you know like pick up something in the supermarket or buy you know pencils for the kids or something like that but then there's the other things where you know you say oh I read about you should change your energy provider or you should negotiate a better deal with Sky and things like that and I think often with a lot of us the urgent things on the the to-do list start building up and then we kind of forget about the things that, you know, like switching um, ESB or switching your electricity or your gas and things like that. So Laura came up with this idea and she said, for one hour a week, just sit down, time yourself Mm -hmm. and become the scary person who you really, you know, don't really genuinely want to be. But ring Sky and say, listen, I want a better deal. I want a better insurance deal and have your list and go through it. And she said it could end up saving you an absolute fortune because you've your head down and you're not ignoring the long term to do list mm. items. You can also put into that time something that it's a call that, you know, you need to make, but you're dreading. You just soak it up and make the call. That's it, because you know yourself, like we always have these things, I need to ring this person or I need, you know, like, and often I come away from somewhere and say, I had a really great time there and I'm going to write them a letter and tell them how great they were. But, you know, like life gets in the way then, like with everybody and, you know, that letter doesn't doesn't happen. So, but if you kind of, if you have your scary hour once a week and what Laura was saying is a good tip too, is that you tell someone that you're doing this scary hour so you're accountable. So you say, Saturday, nine o'clock, um, I'm going to be doing my scary hours so at least someone saying you know holding you accountable and saying did you sit down now and make all those calls and how was it and you have some results at the end of the day and you say listen I you know I got a better deal there with um with whatever I was you know with with my energy and I'm after saving 300 euro a year which is 300 which is a lot of money in the in you know in the scheme of it absolutely so it's yeah absolutely so you know and like it doesn't just have to be about saving money it can be about you know those things that you aspire to you know even from like writing that letter or writing a book you know we all have these dreams and if you don't you have to start somewhere Mm. so putting the head down and putting that time aside and becoming that person where you know that you're not putting it on the long finger and you're actually doing it because if it's a defined time every week you say okay well there's that thing now i know i need to change my provider or i know i need i'm paying sky too much money i'm ringing them now 10 o'clock saturday morning and i'm not getting off the phone until they at least talk to a human being that hour you can get something done and if you tell everyone else in the house right we're going to do all this stuff saturday morning 10 o'clock for an hour then eventually everyone will contribute into it that's it and you know like even if you save 100 euro in that in that hour that's 1200 euro in a year you know that's a lot of money to be saving just by doing these things that you know we all talk about but it's actually doing them where you you reap the benefits and save the money mm. so have you decided on a time for your scary hour and Eve? I have. So the kids go off to GA with my husband on a Saturday morning and I have the house to myself. So it's, it's actually nine to ten on Saturday morning. And <laughs> I started last week and it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I changed energy provider right. online. 
Yeah, and it was it's brilliant. I I really really recommend it because it's it's just it's just you know finding that time, and um, it's it's great and it, it really does help. Nine to ten Saturday morning. I'm normally turning over, but <laughs> <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. How how old are the kids? Six and seven. Oh, so nine o'clock on a Saturday. Off. It's a lion. That's a lion. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> Neve, thanks very much. Neve Hennessy, a consumer corner writer at the Examiner. The scary hour. An hour in the week. I think this is a brilliant idea. We'll start trying to do it. An hour in the week where all those awkward little jobs that you know they should be done, but you're putting them off and putting them off because I hate ringing them or I'll be all day on hold. Forever, it's so hard to get through to them. Blah blah. blah. Pick an hour in the week and make sure that everything gets. And make a list and put it on the fridge. Stick it. Stick the list on the fridge, so that for Saturday morning or Monday evening or Tuesday afternoon, scary hour. That's being done. We're going to get at least start that list at eleven o'clock on a Monday or eleven o'clock on Saturday. Whatever. That's a super idea. Transfer your ESP in the scary hour. They probably wouldn't have even answered the call. You'd need your annual leave. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, caller, you... I know I sound like... Probably sound like a salesman for them, but I'm not. I've just used them. I used Bonkers last... What? November. Um, when I knew the energy was starting to get dear, I took a look at our bills for the year and I said, right, I'm going to do this. And I got all my paperwork, all my bills together. All needs a couple of bills, all the details on them. And go on to, and there's other websites, but Bonkers is the one I used. And they will literally do all the heavy lifting for you. And I had it done in about an hour. Less, actually. And I am, even in the middle of what's happening already, I'm saving a few quid. Don't go on the phone. You'll be all, you'll have blood pressure from the phone call. That's true. But try doing it online. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Someone told April to go away and send November back. It's horrible out there. It's cold and it's wet and it's damp. It's just rotten. And when you think of I know it wasn't the, it wasn't the warmest of weekends, but Jenny, April, Saturday was a gorgeous spring day. Really beautiful spring day. Now the forecast for the Easter weekend is pretty good at this stage. They're talking about a heat wave in the UK. They're saying it'll be warmer than Mallorca. I don't think we quite do that kind of damage. But the forecast for Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, Easter Monday is pretty good. Sunday in particular looks like it's been a lovely day with temperatures up to 19 and plenty of sunny spells, which is good. 0818 96 96 96. They are back this week. Once again, the maze was the focal point of a troubled peace process. So anyone ever bangs on about? We lived on the edge back then. We were young, wild, fearless. Drum roll, please, sister. Have you lost your actual mind? Hell it! 
much longer. Are we going to ignore the elephant in the room? Where? You fail your GCSE. The school will take you back. Just try to enjoy what time you've left, girls. She's definitely my favourite Shirley sister, Michael. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Shirley Donovan. She's great. She's, she's, I think she's the funniest in it. Yeah, she's definitely a standout character. And I think it's probably because, you know, convent schools are such a thing in this country that we've all had a sister Michael in our lives at one stage or another, you know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So Derry Girls season three, and they're not going to drop them all at once. It's going to be weekly, isn't it? Uh, from, from... It's going to be weekly, yeah. Yeah, on Channel 4 from tomorrow night. So it's kind of a bit old school. We're all used to consuming a full series of something in one go. Yeah. Um, so to have a week by week is is different for us, I suppose. But then I suppose we've only had ever had 12 episodes so far of Derry Girls, but it seems like we've been watching it forever. So we'll savour these final six now over the six weeks. And we're certain they are the final six. They are, I feel, yeah. I think um, Lisa, the, Lisa McGee, the writer of the series, you know, it's there. It's coming to its natural conclusion because these actresses and actors are all in their late twenties. Nicola Collin, in particular, she's thirty-five. So the, you can't be playing a sixteen-year-old, you know, in an ongoing series when you're 35 years of age you won't get away with it forever so as the characters age and the actresses age it becomes um less possible i suppose to to continue on with it yeah it was i remember when it arrived season one it was just it was laugh out loud catch your breath funny from the start from the beginning and it's one thing i notice about it every single episode every line in every episode is funny whether it means to be or not, it's just consistently funny. And there's very few things now because we're exposed to so much. There's, in terms of comedy, there's not a lot out there that makes you laugh out loud. But this has you laughing out loud from the beginning. And if anybody hasn't seen it, I highly recommend going back to watch it before the new season starts because you've missed out on something if you've not seen Derry Girls. You know, it's just that ultimate, that nostalgia as well of, you know, the 90s, the soundtrack. Oh, the you music know, is just, brilliant. The music is excellent. It's just one of these flawless TV series where there isn't a weak link in the cast. Mm. There's not one person that doesn't entertain you. Yeah, there's only been two series, like you say, only twelve episodes. But e- even now, if you if if one of them turns up in another show, like Jamie Lee O'Donnell turned up in a very gritty prison series on Channel Four. Oh, last that's year. right. Yeah, um, yeah. Screwed. Screw. Yeah. Now, very very gritty and tough stuff. She was brilliant in it, and you would you would just brilliant, yeah. absolutely magnificent. They when they turn up, and one of them is in Bridgerton as well. I, Bridgerton is not on my agenda, but, <laughs> but <laughs> there, it's 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 just so special. So, do we know what's in the final six? Will they close it, or will they just end it? I think they're probably just going to end it. Um, they're keeping the the plot lines very tight on this and very guarded. So we've only seen the trailers, the little teasers about, you know, maybe the first two episodes. Mm. So, um, and they've done well, I think, to keep it under wraps, you know, because it's been, we've been waiting for this for a long time and we're not going to see um, as much of Nicola Collin, um, who plays Claire, because she is she's the actress that is also in Bridgerton. Mm. And because of scheduling clashes, 
she wasn't available because of COVID delaying things and whatever. She wasn't um, as available, so we're not going to see as much of her. But I don't think it'll make a difference because there's such it's so strong all the way through. Yeah. Um, I think we've a lot to look forward to. We've seen it. We've seen a couple of clips. There's going to be a big brush with the law, um, you know, in, in the trailers and the little teasers that we've seen. So I think there's a lot to look forward to. They're going to pack a lot into these last six episodes, I think. And rumours of big guest stars like Jamie Dornan, for example. Yeah, like again, I suppose we don't know. I know there's a new plumber. Um, yeah, so there's a couple of new characters coming into it. But all of these things, um, everything is rumours, you know. So yeah. we're just wait- we're just waiting. I think, you know, that first episode, once it kicks off, we might see a lot more spoilers coming our way once it's actually the first episode has aired. Um, but yeah, lots, lots to come, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I suppose you could come back to it in a, in a kind of a grown-up sense in a couple of years' time when they've all moved on and got married and got jobs and... Yeah, yeah, but you see, then you're, I think you could, but you're, it's like the whole thing of the Young Offenders as well, because we used to have these conversations about the Young Offenders. Will there be another series? Will they revisit it? But, like, it's it's of its time. It's capturing, it's capturing a moment in time, and it's capturing and probably uh, triggering off memories of people's teenage years. So... I don't know that that curiosity would be there for people to see whatever happened to characters afterwards because it's just this bubble of time is making it so special. It's been an enormous success for Derry itself. I mean, having been there, visited there during my holidays last couple of summers, like Derry Girls is big business in Derry. Big business. And I just was reading um, last week that it's the highest rated television show in the history of Northern Ireland since they started keeping record of viewing figures. This television show has, is the most viewed program ever in the North. So like it's and everywhere around the world, even if you look at uh, reviews, you know, people leave Google reviews or Rotten Tomatoes reviews. It's from people all around the world saying how they relate to it and how much they enjoyed it. So it's got this universal mm. appeal. But I think it's really Derry as, as uh, an area has definitely benefited from it because People want to go and see the big Derry Girls mural. They want to, you know, they want to visit locations. Um, so it's it's been huge for, for the area. Yeah. Do you know what struck me always watching it, Shirley, was, you know, it, it was also a series that needed to be made because those of us who grew up uh, listening to the news in the 90s from that part mm-hmm. of the world, it was a difficult, difficult time. And... and <laughs> Ordinary life went on. Ordinary kids were still ordinary kids doing daft stuff like ordinary kids did. And that's what the show did. You know, they, they, they rebelled against the cops for totally different reasons. Well, I think it just paints that picture, as you say, of ordinary life set against this backdrop of kind of political strife. But for the teenagers, it was more of an inconvenience than anything. Right. And they almost, in the, in the series, they almost just brush it aside. Because it's there, it's a big inconvenience for them. Yeah, I remember actually asking that question when I was talking to someone up there. Do you know it? It, it shows that life went on as normal. To which the guy just turned But for most of us, it actually did most of the time. Mm. That this was bloody thing was a nuisance more than anything else. Yeah, and I think because it's kind of explored in the series not in huge like the troubles aren't explored in huge detail but the inconvenience of it and there's a humour to it obviously as there is with everything in the series that it it kind of it's it's almost making it more real because we're only used to hearing all of this through news 
So yeah. to see it through this, it's it's important as well, as you say, it's important to show what it was really like, because it probably was like that, you know, in the first season when they were going on holidays during the marches and they were trying to get to the caravan and there was a guy in the boot of the car, you know, like... They, they, they were probably things that genuinely did happen to people, you know. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were. Listen, it starts tomorrow night and the first two seasons, they're on all four and they're on Netflix. The first two seasons and season three starts tomorrow night at 9.15, an episode a week. I thought we were finished with that. <laughs> Well, no, but look, let's savour it now over the six we weeks. Will. We'll enjoy the six weeks. We will, we will. I, well, I think what I might end up doing is just recording the modern box setting at the end. I don't know, I might. I'll, see. I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably wait for all four as well. But look, we might do it old school too. We might do. Shirley, thanks. Shirley Donovan. Derry Girls, season three, the third and final, because they're all growing out of it now. Uh, tomorrow night, Channel 4, 9.15. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie When we're adoring Adele, are you thinking, it's not easy on me? And has our love of Justin Bieber got you not wanting to stay? What I want. Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100 euro penny voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Right. You're not going to tell me what you said to Uli Healy, are you? No, I can't tell you, PJ. It's a secret that will remain a secret forever between myself and Ona. <laughs> it was the talk of the town Saturday. What did he say? Well, what did Keith Barry say? To... Keith, the last time I was talking to you, you were just out of a freezing cold shower and told me I should have one every morning. I didn't, ever. Well, well, do you have down days? Do you have days that you feel anxious? Do you have days that you don't feel okay? Are you one of these superheroes that never feels down? No, but a cold shower won't solve any of that for me. It will, though. It will. You see, you're wrong because the cold shower dumps dopamine and serotonin into your system first thing in the morning. So listen, I still have one. I had one in the Imperial Hotel this morning where I stayed last night. By God, was that cold in there, I can tell you. It's great to have guests like yourself back in studio again. Um, you have the television show, and is there yeah. is there a stage show coming, a new stage show? Brand new stage show. Listen, I'm so excited to get back on the stage because it's the favourite part of what I do. And people then can come up on stage, then they understand that what they're seeing is, in essence, real. So, yeah, I'm in uh, Cork Opera House on May 7th and 8th with my brand new show, Reconnected. And it's designed to reconnect people emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, subconsciously, and so on. And brand new show from start to finish. Listen, I had enough time to write it, so mm. it's ready to go, and I can't wait to get out and do it. You've told me before you're not a magician. Well, I am a magician, but I started off as a magician, but I suppose it's just mean by that that I do a lot more besides that now. Yeah. Obviously, I do the mentalism, which is the psychological aspect of, of what I do. I do hypnosis as well, and sometimes mm. I do that for therapy. Um, so for me, I think the best term that kind of embraces what I am is brain hacker. Mm. And that's kind of what I'm seeing as now, you know. I would have said illusionist in that you create something on stage that in all intents and purposes isn't actually there. Remember you doing mm. something with me years ago. And I said to how the hell did you do that? And you said to me, you told me the answer. Yeah, but I'm, I did not. But I'm, yes, I'm, you actually did. I'm reading body language for a living. Like I, I read people's eye movements, their their tics, their subconscious tics. And like, for example, I see I'm not precious, so I don't mind people calling me an illusionist, a charlatan, whatever mm. they want to call me. For me, I'm first and foremost... No, I, by the way, I take, take that, because the, the art of illusion is something 
that ever since I was a small boy, I've been fascinated by. I remember you telling me this. I mean, yeah, Tommy yeah. Cooper, the best illusionist there's ever been. Well, people don't realise that Tommy was actually a great magician. You're yeah. right there. So, even though very often he'd get his tricks wrong, he actually was Doing in real life... Sneaky just, in the back. Yeah, and he was an amazing magician and he would just purposely get it wrong. So, they, some, sometimes people didn't realise that, you know. But for me, uh, like, for example, in the opening of Reconnected, uh, I reconnect people by allowing half of the audience to hack into the other half of the audience's minds. Now, I've never done that before. So if you imagine at the start of the show, you turn to your loved one, your partner, your mother, your brother, your sister, whoever you're there with, and then you actually genuinely hack into their brain. And that's one way to kind of reconnect people in that, that exact moment in time. Look, let's try this. Okay, Enough talk. On. I want to catch you by surprise. Go on. Well, they're not cards. cards. They're not cards. Well, they are, but they're photographs, which okay. is most important for people to realise. So like we've got a tennis ball there, a hook there, a chain. Uh, there's a, a baseball ball, there's all kinds of things here, right? So there's tons and tons of photographs, but here's the idea about this. Um, I want to do something based around reconnection and the butterfly effect. So right now, someone, somewhere in the world, PJ, is Mm. thinking of you, and they need a phone call from you today. Someone somewhere in the world right now is thinking of you. The butterfly effect, by the way, it's the concept or theory that if the butterfly flaps its wings hard enough on one side of the world, that can set off a sequence of events, a chain reaction, if you like, to set off a hurricane on the other side of the world. So let's test the concept of the butterfly effect using these photographs. So you just mix these photographs up. So right now, technically, if you like, you're okay. kind of putting your DNA into the photographs. So I'm, you're doing, I'm, okay? I'm, I'm, shuffling, I'm shuffling this pack of... They look like playing cards, but they're actually photographs. Just, just photographs. I'll just put them down here when you're there ready. You there you go. Okay, good. So... These are shuffled by, by you. I've never seen them before. They put them on the table. No, and you have no idea what order they're in now, no. right? So I'm going to flop some of these photographs face up at the table. And in, in your mind, just allow different names of people close to you to come into your subconscious mind as I flop them face up. And anytime you want, you can just go ahead and say stop. And when you say stop, I want you to know whatever lands on the table we're going to be keeping. Mm-hmm. Stop. There. Now, there's three in my hand, or three or four in my hand. Do you want to keep these? If you want to keep these, they go down on the table. If you want to discard them, we get rid of them. And yeah, put them down. Put them down. That changes everything. That one action that you did there changes the course of everything, PJ. So, PJ, I'm going to put these face down on the table one at a time. And, PJ, anytime you want, you say stop once again. Okay, okay. this is a subconscious choice, though. Okay, stop. There, now this one's in my hand. Do you want to keep that one or get rid of it? It's a clothes peg for anybody listening. Uh, you can keep it. Keep it. That mm-hmm. changes the outcome of everything. These ones are now gone. Is there any that you particularly like? If there is, we can put one down. If not, we're getting rid of them. Uh... No, I can hold on to them. Gone. Okay. Yeah? Mm. Okay, gone. So now, uh, we're going to deal these in a a pile, uh, either clockwise to me or counterclockwise to Mm. me. I want you to know, this will change the outcome of everything. And I'm going to deal them in five piles until they're all gone. So clockwise to me or counterclockwise to me? Clockwise. Now, as I'm dealing them, clockwise to me, think of people in your life that mean something to you, people that you care about, for example. And let's take a look at photographs that you landed on. Someone somewhere needs a call from you today, PJ. And let's see. So you've got like a, some lights, traffic lights. You've got an umbrella there. Mm-hmm. You've got like a park bench there. You've also got a fork here. And then over here, you've got a bridge. Congratulations for demonstrating the butterfly effect, PJ. <laughs> I have no idea what you just did. No, no, you have no idea what I just did, but you need to think about these, not as photographs, but as letters, letters of the alphabet. You see, that'd be a J, that'd be an E, that'd be an M, this here would be an M, and that'd be an A. You need to call Gemma today. How the hell did you do that? And I'm saying that now in a particular... My daughter's name is Gemma. Oh, I didn't know that. But she starts with a J, which very few Gemmas actually do. Yeah. How the, did you do that? That's because you tricked me because the picture that I told you stop on 
you haven't shown it up. No. It's Gemma. You need to call Gemma today. <laughs> PJ stunned into words for I, the I first time in a long time. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, no, that's that's good. That's 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 good. that's good. So that that's what the show is about. It's about reconnecting people. Um you know, one part of the show also, PJ, I fire a crossbow, an arrow. PJ looks really puzzled right now, just for everybody listening. I fire an arrow straight across somebody's head on stage, the other side of the stage, yeah. and that's in another reconnected part of the show. Um, but look, I'm just so excited. I, by the way, I haven't played Cork Opera House. I'm going to guess it's been about 12 years. Yeah. So, beautiful venue, uh, May 7th and 8th, I'm down there. Uh, PJ, I don't know if you can talk right now, can you? I'm just trying to figure out how the hell <laughs> Here, you did that. I, I have another game for you, look. <laughs> I've got on. three envelopes here. One says mine, one says yours, one says a question mark, okay? I will tell you, inside one of these three envelopes, there's some cash. I want you to win the cash, PJ. I'm on your side. Right. Okay, can you confirm for the listeners who can't see, yeah. uh, mine, yours, and a question mark. Can you confirm, though, PJ, that Mine is 100% bigger than yours. <laughs> Can you confirm that? Uh, in letters, yes. <laughs> yes, in just the envelopes we're talking about, PJ, just so we're clear. And then uh, I've also got the question mark envelope. I want you to know I never put the cash inside there. Never. Okay. But I want you to know I could be lying to you right now or I could be telling the truth. But I want you to know this. I want you to win. I'm right. going to tell you there's a tenner inside one of the three envelopes. I want you to win the ten euros, okay? okay? Right. I'm on your side, but the envelopes are designed to influence you. Because if you think about it, if in a moment you pick mine, that will become yours. And then by default, yours will become mine. Confused? You should be. Okay, do you want yours, you want mine? Or I'll just isolate the question mark over there for a moment. Yours, mine, or the question mark? Mm. Where do you think the tenner is? I'm trying, to, I'm try, I'm trying to, to hear what you're telling me. And you're telling me you never put it in the question mark. But one, I could be which, lying. Which you, you could well be lying. Um, and also you're saying mine becomes yours and yours becomes mine but then again you could be referring to yours as being mine so I'd go for yours <laughs> yours which is now yours yeah. <laughs> but later on tonight you'll wonder what would have happened had you changed your mind I might do yeah now if you don't change your mind later on tonight you'll regret that decision so yeah. PJ do you mm. want to change your mind do you stick with the mind you already have no make, go by my go first, with yours let's take a look what's inside decision. yours envelope inside there there's one thing one thing only it is a tenner <laughs> you've won the tenner PJ congratulations <laughs> I'm delighted for you I told you I wanted to win the tenner you have indeed won the tenner oh no, by the way if you picked mine people logically think there's, there's a tenner, tenner no no there's no. 500 euros in the mine envelope ah, PJ 500 euros in mine you could add 500 euros I also asked you do you want the question mark envelope you overthought that by the way I put it close to you you should have taken it because inside here there's no cash just a piece of paper so you can relax Yeah, uh, it's not really a piece of paper though it's a check and if you read out loud, what does it say up there? It says, um, the person who chooses this envelope... Could have been you. Uh, what could you want? 15,000 euros. 15,000 euros. But let's face it, you're 10 minutes, uh, ten euros better off you, than you were 10 minutes ago. You focused me on the tenor. <laughs> and I went, oh, on, you mess are you? So May 6th and 7th. Uh, 7th and 8th. 7th and 8th. May 7th and 8th in Cork Opera House. And as I said, look, it's in my DNA to be on the stage. And uh, the other thing is like... You missed it, have you? Ah, look, I've I've missed it greatly, actually. I think people don't realise, if I'm being honest, I know there's other artists down here at the moment, I think Mario's down here, Mario Rosenstock. Mm. Um, like, you know, if we weren't in it for business, we'd have to do this. It's mm. in our DNA, as I said, to be on a stage. So to have not been on a stage for almost two and a half years now, mm. it's actually just... Uh, you know, it's something that I, I not only miss, it's just, it's a part of me that's missing almost. So I'm so excited to get back mm. on that stage. Like, I, we've all got this pent-up energy now mm. um, in a good way so that when we're on the stage, that energy is going to be like tenfold what it would have been maybe two and a half years ago. Um, but yeah, look, I missed it hugely, you know, and I'm so excited to get back there, you know. And you 
What you specialise in is getting the response you just got out of me twice. But here's the mad thing. I brought some books here and I didn't realise one of these books is your favourite book. Well, one of my favourite books, yeah. Okay, yeah. so oh, we should try again. something real quick. I will, of course. With one on. of these books. Okay, so... Um, well, now, you don't have to have the Da Vinci Code. So I brought the Da Vinci Code. And I, also I like brought, the Da Vinci Code. I brought Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. No, I like the, so da da the, the Da Vinci Code. Code. Okay, take the Da Vinci Code. Okay, right, you're okay. familiar with the different characters and Indeed. so on. Um, so here's the interesting thing, okay? Uh, Fiona out there. Where's Fiona? We can see Fiona. You can stay there, Fiona. So she's two rooms away from us, okay? Mm-hmm. So Fiona's going to try something now in a moment, which, by the way, look... I'm just going to tell you, it's probably not going to work for Fiona. There's a reason for that, but we're going to try an experiment, right? So here's the experiment. I want you in a moment, not yet, uh, I'll look the other way, open up the book to any page that you want. She can change pages multiple times. You'll be familiar with the script, so uh, you can check it out if you want to. But the most important thing is this. I want you to pick a long, challenging word. Now, what I mean by long is like seven, eight or nine letters or more. There'll be loads of them. I've already checked it out. Now, here's the thing. Don't pick like um, a name, like Silas or anything like that, Mm. right? So pick, and don't pick a chapter heading either. Just go into the okay. body of the book and find a really long challenging word something that okay. you think I could never basically guess okay, okay. it's not and that of I'll look the other way so I can't even see well, where you're looking in the book I'll put it down here yeah, under the table right, under be the fine. table and I'll open the page I haven't even looked at the page before I pick it find up find a really long challenging word and when you've got one just close it up one. close it up I've got remember one. it okay good yeah. so the first part of this is out there Fiona now I'm going to show you how this is just guessing okay so Fiona's going to try and guess the first letter of the word that, that, that you're thinking of and you can just write it down Fiona uh, or you can pat yourself through whichever you prefer so Fiona I want you to stare PJ through two windows and just have a guess she does it all the time and just have a guess <laughs> what do you think the first letter is now I can't hear but you can relay it back to me yeah. okay what do you think the first letter is that PJ is thinking of of the word C C is it a C PJ no it's not a C see that's just guessing you just looked and just guessed okay what was the first letter just so she knows she was actually wrong it's a T a T T okay good now I'm going to write something down in a moment here oh, okay I've got a, a pad of paper here so look mm. at me so this is how this works Fiona I'll teach you how this works look at me PJ okay focus on the second letter in the word the second letter uh, Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O that second letter is H is that correct <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, okay, good. So let me start to write now. So that's a T and a H. Okay, if you can convert this into an image, uh, convert it into an image. If not, just keep it as the word. Okay. Um, ah, okay, there was an image that came to mind. I'm just going to do that. Okay, and that. I'm drawing here. Okay, and uh, there's a K in the word. Is that correct? There is. Focus on the position of the K. Different people think in different ways. You see, some people would have thought of a number there. They would have counted on their fingers. You didn't do that. In your head, in your head, did you just say to yourself, it's in the last position? Yeah. Yes, you did. Okay, good. Okay, focus on the word. There's probably 30,000 words in that book. I don't even know. Okay, look at me. Focus on the word. Uh, Say it in your head. Not out loud. Just say it in your head over and over and over again. Okay, I think I may have gotten it. Okay, I'll show it to Fiona. So I'm committed. So Fiona, that's the word that I got out of probably 30,000 words. Okay, PJ, name out loud. What word are you thinking of? Thunderstruck. Like that there? (laughs) Yeah, how the hell? I'm sorry, that's crazy. Because I deliberately said, and the, the sentence... It's like I, I randomly opened it yeah, under yeah, yeah. the table, right? If anyone's watching this, like I randomly opened it under the table. It's the second, it's the third word in a sentence. Yeah. And I thought, he's not going to pull that one out of it. <laughs> and you're telling me I told you. 
Yes, you told me it's your body language. You see, that's what I love about this. But I sat I don't, here with my hands on the desk. I know. I don't believe anybody is psychic, as you know. We've talked about that yeah, before. But, yeah. um, but for me, I do believe that you can hack into people's brains, which is what this is about, basically. And it's me getting inside people's heads, which is what I love to do. So anybody who saw the TV show, for example, on Saturday night, I, I reconnected two people, you saw it yourself, who hadn't mm. seen each other in over three years. And I was touching one person on one side of the stage, yet the other person, it was a mother and daughter, uh, the mother was feeling what I was doing to the to to the lady where I was touching her on her forehead and touching her on her nose and so on um, and that's the kind of bizarreness that I'm really into right now is the heady stuff do you know what I mean so I love magic so don't get me wrong I'll probably go back to do magic in the next tour but this tour is all about the mind stuff so mind control mind reading brain hacking all that kind of stuff you well know? you've done me you've done me three times there now <laughs> you are good I'll tell you one thing you know Keith I don't know what it is you do I don't know how it is you do it but you're damn good at it thanks, thanks very thanks much for being PJ. with us today no thanks for having me I really appreciate Jesus, it that's Keith Barry I will never figure out how he got my daughter's name out of that. So grateful. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, it's still a bit coming in on, on cakeage and it's kind of led to a side discussion of tipping. Um, I, I always think it's important to tip, particularly in, if you can afford it, in this time when we do everything with our card. Because I, I don't like this idea of waiting staff being paid out of a pool. I think if a person has been to your table and done a nice job and had a friendly smile and, you know, all that, then, you know, they deserve the couple of quid. That's always been my view. Uh, never have we appreciated eating out in cafes and restaurants post-pandemic, but I must say the costs are outrageous. We would always tip generously, but have to return to 10%. At a tapas recently, the minuscule but tasty plates were €18 Euro each. We had to order loads of sides to bulk it out, and these were too small to share. A friend had a couple of hot whiskies at five fifty each and was charged one fifty for a hot serve, the boiling water. We ate at a garden centre. Two scones, two teas, one coffee, and that was 22, 22 euro. The pots of tea barely yielded a single cup. It's hard to tip generously in a greedy culture. PJ went to two parties. The cake came out when we finished our meals. No charge. We had our glasses for toasting. We all had a bit in our hand and all of that. And plenty more coming in. I'll get to them before I finish today. 0818 96 96 96. Have a listen have a listen to this. British General Strickland is stationed in Elizabeth Fourth Barracks in the city centre, only coming in and out in an armed motorcade. Local Republicans have an informant in the barracks and learn he'll be escorted out early in the morning. They lay in wait for the motorcade. Suddenly, all hell breaks loose. The Republicans throw grenades, injuring many of the Crown forces. The British soldiers seek refuge in the local houses. Shots ring out. There are casualties on both sides. Just as suddenly as it began, the firefight ends. Now imagine a tour where you don't actually have to leave your seat. You can, of course, leave if you want to and walk the tour, but you can just listen to it and watch it online. Dara Burke, good morning to you. Uh, hi, PJ. Good morning. How are things? Great. Good to speak with you. Uh, you you were a young fellow who the parents wanted you to go to college and get a proper job. 
and you qualified as an engineer, whereas you wanted to do history. And this is the combination of them both. Yeah, absolutely, PJ. Yeah, it's kind of like a thank you to my father, um, while at the same time uh, a bit of teenage rebellion in my early 40s. Mm. You were always into, into local history. I was, yeah. I was always into history in general, PJ, but uh, local history in particular, yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't deemed to be a suitable career for a young fella, so they sent you off to college. So how did you end up using your engineering training and your electronic training and make a tour out of it? Um, well, um, my path to the um, Rebel City Tour of Cork is kind of a long one. I, um, When I left college, I spent a few years in Europe and then I moved to South Korea. Um, and I spent about seven years there and I was working on the web mostly. Um, but I just started this, I started hahamarketing.com about two years ago, I think. Right. Um, and I just, the, the Rebel City Tour of Cork is just a passion project of mine. You don't have to leave the comfort of your chair, as I watched a couple of uh, parts of it this morning and listened to back to the audio, which is cool. But you can, you can take it around on your phone. Is there an app to come or is it just a web-based? Uh, no, it's just a web-based. There's nothing to download. You don't have to install it on your phone. Uh, it's, there's no app. Um, so the idea is that, say, John from Boston might be able to listen, who has a history in Cork, or a side interest in Cork or Cork history, I uh, might listen to the tour online at home. Um, and then if he's interested, he could come to Cork and uh, take the tour, take the immersive tour himself. Is it something that you plan to develop and put more more parts into it? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, like like I said, this is kind of version one at the moment. Um, like any software product, really, the more feedback you get, the more suggestions, the more you can add to it. And uh, there's still a lot of user testing to come and uh, things like that. Mm. So how much work is involved in putting one of these together? You've obviously got to write it, record it, upload it. That's where the training comes up, isn't it? Um, yeah, so research it as well. I, uh, I'd i actually, I'd like to give a shout out to Kieran McCarthy, the eminent Cork ah. historian. Yeah. Uh, he, has a, he has a website called corkheritage.ie um, and I, I was able to research a lot of the facts from um, that website. Um, and also Darren McGrath, the... Uh, he had a, an exhibition in the Crawford on the War of Independence. Um, but to answer your question, PJ, uh, months of work, basically. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about the South Korean adventure, because living in that part of the world for seven years must have been... It was work took you there, obviously. Uh, yeah, well, um, kind of, yeah. I, I left college, um, and then uh, I finished my degree, I left college. Um, I wanted to travel the world, basically. Um so uh, Korea was a good spot. I wanted to go to Asia. So I moved over to Korea. Uh, I had like a long-term girlfriend and uh, I was running a small, very small web company that made, thankfully made me enough money that I could indulge my passion and travel. Hmm. So I got to travel uh, much of the world, actually. It was great. Yeah, yeah. The, the World Wide Web really did take you worldwide. Yeah, it's always I've always been obsessed with the web and and travel and history. Um, so, but I'm happy to be back in Cork now. I'm back in Cork a long time, and uh, I've no plans to leave. Yeah, yeah. Have you a favourite story from Cork history that impressed you more than others? You, um, well, the assassination of uh, police RIC Police Commissioner Smith on the South Mall 
um, was uh, possibly one of my favourites, um, simply because he was the guy behind the uh, shoot to kill uh, policy mm. against any civilian not immediately um, cooperating. He he was his orders were issued to uh, shoot to kill, basically. Mm. Um, but he had a brother up in Dublin who identified many of the leaders of the Easter Rising, and his brother was shot. Um, so, I mean, there was kind of two sides to both stories. I mean, um, I, I guess he's kind of forgotten in history, but he was as much a victim of the troubles as anyone, I guess, mm. of the War of Independence, should I say. Mm. So, where can people go? It's hahamarketing.com is your website, and then they'll find their way to the tour from there. Uh, yeah, or they can just type in Rebel City Tour of Cork into Google, and they can find it that way. All right. Listen, good good luck with it. It's it's enjoyable. Uh, there's eight or nine different um, stories on it, and he tends to add to them over time and develop it further. That's Dara Burke, Rebel City Tour. It's cool. And you can, wherever you're listening, and we will podcast lots of this stuff later on as we do. A reminder to you that a podcast for the main show itself goes up between two and three every day, and then we take chunks of it. And we invite you to listen back on Twitter or on the Corks 96FM app, which, of course, you can download to your phone or your tablet. Uh, Various parts of the show are podcasted every day. So if you're in anywhere in the world and you want to have a tour of the old sod and you don't need to come home for it, Dara Bork has provided it for you. Yeah, I know people are saying, oh, no, he's only playing along with... with, with, um which our man like, Kate Barry. No, I'm not, actually. He stumped me three times in ten minutes here. I had absolutely no idea what he was going to do either time. And he stumped me time after time and time again. And I don't know what he's doing. I don't know how he does it. But he's good at it. Very, very, very good at it. My missus always maintains she'd catch him out. Try and put that into effect sometime, but seriously, yeah, she does. She does. A couple more comments on uh, cakeage and restaurants and tipping, which I'll get to before I finish. But I want to talk to Angela Scanlon about little plays in the park, which is something for the kids to do over Easter because they're off now. They're off now for two weeks, and the second week will be a feast of sugar induced hyperactivity. So we need something to take them out and calm them down. Angela, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good. Talk to me about Little Plays in the Park. Yeah, so um, we are scaled to productions and um, last year we were really lucky to um, be funded as part of the County Council's new initiative, um, Cork Cocoa Pops. So what they're doing is they're funding theatre groups to go out into the community um, to open spaces and provide free entertainment for those of us who've been starved of of live entertainment for the last two years. Um, And it was such a success last year that they've continued on with the funding programme and we're a part of that. So what we've done is we're doing little plays in the park um, over the Easter holidays. So we're doing um, the Saturday in Carrigaline in the town park hmm. um, underneath that beautiful new bandstand. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's raining. Um, and we're doing two performances of our show, Cuckoo the Brave. Um, so it's great fun. There's loads of sword fighting and music and comedy and colour and it's it's fun. It's a great, great show um, and it's suitable for all the family really. So what we're saying to people is um, to get their free tickets. It's a, a ticketed event but it's free so you have to go onto Eventbrite right. and um, you just search Cuckoo in the Brave and it'll come up for you. 
and grab your free tickets. There's only 200 available for every performance. Um, so the first performance is at 1pm and the mm-hmm. second performance is at 3pm on the same day. And it's about um, an hour, is it? It is about an hour. It's about 50 minutes, really, yeah. And what we say to people is, like, bring something to sit on, bring a deck chair, bring a blanket, bring a, you know, bring something to sit on, bring munchies, bring those Easter eggs <laughs> that you get from the aunties and uncles before the Easter bunny arrives on the Sunday um, and bring those with you and have a little picnic. And um, even if the weather is a bit a bit cold, we'll... Um, we, mm. we, we'll do it anyway in the rain because we're in Ireland you know you can't be uh, well, <laughs> you can't well, be well, things because of the rain the forecast is reasonably promising I must say well that's good for the weekend good, ahead yeah. you know it's reasonable well that would be lovely Saturday and Monday chance chance of a shower but you're looking at afternoon temperatures of 15, 16 degrees which will be nice if the sun comes out it will be lovely, yeah. But I mean, in Carrigaline itself, you're underneath the bandstand anyway, so it yeah. makes no difference whatsoever, you know? Yeah. And then um, you're in Mallow we, on the Monday. We're on Mallow on the Monday, but we're completely booked out for Mallow already. Get away. The tickets went, yeah, the tickets went in 10 minutes. Um, as I said, we did we did the sh- we did one of the shows last year. We did Fionn McCool, and we visited those two places before, so people know us. So as soon as they went up, they were gone. Um, but we hope to come back again um, as part of the same program in the su- with for the summer as well. You know, so we'll be going to more parks and more venues around the county in the summer, hopefully. You know, yeah. so um, yeah. But there's tickets left. There's plenty of tickets left for the two shows um, in Carrigaline at the moment. Um, Eventbrite. So get on Eventbrite. Get on Eventbrite. Yeah. It should be a great day, you know. It's an hour. People make the most of it, and as I said, bring this picnics and the kids get involved, and it's it's just a lovely, um, lovely way to spend an hour of your day, you know. Okay. And what 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 do they search for in Eventbrite? Coo Cullen. Just if you type in Coo Cullen, the Brave, or Coo Cullen, if you just search that in Eventbrite and go into Cork, make sure you're in Cork, on the Eventbrite website, and you we come up then. There's right. two performances, two different links. Just make sure you pick the right one. Right. Yep, good good luck with it. Enjoy the weekend. And great to see Mallow already completely booked out and Carrigaline. Two shows Saturday at 1 and at 3. Eventbrite.com and look for Coo Cullen, the Brave. And it's free. No cash shall change hands. Thanks, Angela. 0818-969696. PJ, is this the new meaning to wanting your cake on both sides? I don't know. <laughs> now, restaurants should leave you bring in a cake as a goodwill gesture for, for bringing, you, bringing, bringing them business. Okay. Now, remember Elke, when I was on earlier on, Elke was saying that the reason for the cakeage is because there's cost involved in doing this. Someone's got to be paid to get the cake ready. Someone's got to be paid to store it, to cut it up, to put it onto plates. Someone's got to be paid to wash and prepare those plates and set out those plates. Someone's got to be paid to come up and down to the table with all the various plates. And if there's 10 or 11 people sitting down for, for dinner or lunch, then that's maybe more than one trip. So Elkis then there's a cost involved and the cakeage is to cover that cost. Restaurants should bring, leave you bring in a cake as a goodwill gesture for bringing them business, says this one. Charging negates the goodwill. As regards wine, the restaurants pay about 7 or 8 euro a bottle and they sell it for well over 20. The price charge for steaks makes a healthy profit on the meal. They're not at a loss. Elke was saying, actually, there isn't as much profit in a steak as you might think. We might come back to it tomorrow, if you want to, because it's the new thing now, being charged to cut up the cake and as we found out earlier on it's about it's about between a fiver and tenner per head for the cake
Just on Keith Barry, Antoinette says he is unreal. Hopefully I'll get to go to see him in the Opera House. Well, he's there in early May, Antoinette. 0818 96 96 96. Play out with Britney Spears. Program edited by Fiona Corker, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And we'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.